Bergens Internationales Filmfestival. Filmfestival! Bergen Internationales Filmfestival. Hi Shiva! Hey! <laughs> ja? Kan det gå det? Du, nu jag i går så fick jag kört en sån här en, en tre kombo så så tre filmer rätt att av andra och det är er länge sedan jag har fått gjort något tror jag börjar närma mig 15 filmer totalt. Jag har jobbat. Yay! Hur kan väl vara stolt av mig? Ja. <laughs> så idag är er det söndag och vi ska ha ett intervju om lite med Anthony Butts som är er regissören bak DIY Country som vi snackade lite om igår mm. uh, om republiken Donetsk. Kjempespennende, men det kommer om litt. Jeg har lyst til å anbefale en film som jeg synes virker spennende. Mm. Den heter The Girl with All the Gifts. Og dette er en, ja, en zombie-flick, men med en merkelig vri, kanskje. For du tenker jo litt, er vi, har vi haft for mange zombie-filmer nu i det siste? Og svaret er nej. Det er jo en britisk film, og de har jo gjort en del veldig gode versioner av zombie-myten 24 Hours Later, Children of Men... Och det verkar som att det är er liksom i den britiske lite sån subtila stilen där det är er bara sån wham bam exploderande hodar. Det ska vara lite sån spänning i det men det är er sån in your face type. Och konceptet uh, är er att vi är er liksom i framtidens England och där är er det ett virus förgli som angriper folk och gör det om till köttätande zombies. Men det som är er intressant med den här filmen är er att det har varit det är er en sån lång tidslinje då så du har flera generationer har levt genom den epidemien och nu plötsligt uppdagar de att det är er någon barn da, som har utvecklat en slags resistens mot mot viruset som gör att du liksom fakulteten kognitiva abilities kommer tillbaka igen hos de som har den mutationen och då kommer vi till den jenten som liksom har alla alla svaren i hunde the girl with all the gifts Glenn Close spelar en vetenskapskvinna som är er då på jakt efter ett svar och the cure för det viruset da. Så jag tror det blir jättespännande film att se så den anbefaller jag lite zombie action. Once upon a time there was a woman. The most beautiful and amazing woman in all the world. No, you just touched her. Watch. No, please don't do that. They're only children. Jeg er jo ikke så glad i zombiefilmer, men, men jeg fikk litt lyst til å se denne her noen tenkte. Denne filmen handler veldig mye om liksom, konfliktene mellom generasjoner. Og det er jo litt post-Brexit-aktig, hvor vi har sett at alla de gamla liksom babyboomers har har tagit en avgörelse som kommer att gå ut över uh, de unga millennials så, så det jag tror det ligger lite uh, sån djupa tema in i mellan allt blåa men jag blev lite nyfiken då är mm. er du en zombie aficionado aficionado är talat starkt i men jag syns det det är er väldigt gøy och lika det att de utvecklas exakt du har plötsligt har du raske zombies och så har du ja att det är er en genre som alltid beväga sig och utveckla sig som en mutation. Jag håller på att prova att hålla mig hålla mig till mitt eget löfte om att ta tillfälliga filmer från programmet och i morgon så har jag tänkt att så prova att se en film som heter Hunt for the Wilder People. Wilder People. Wilder People. Wilder people. Mm-hmm. 
som jag egentligen bara valde i utifrån kort alltså miniprogrammet där jag så titeln tänkte åh ja kul titel den har jag lust att se på den har jag tänkt att se imorgon och fun factor så jag fann ut det er, de har samma producent som står bak den andra nyzeeländska filmen vi har snakat om nämligen tickled hey! Hey! men nu ska vi höra ett en kort intervju som du har gjort med Anthony, Anthony Butts Hello everyone, my name is Anthony Butts. I'm the director of the film uh, DIY Country. Uh, it's a film about uh, the origin and um, evolution of the Donetsk People's Republic, which is a, uh, a breakaway region of East Ukraine. Um, I guess it's the first sort of uh, conflict that's happened in the world, which is sort of taking part in this sort of post-factual era where everybody just makes up whatever they want to say in order to convince the people to to fight for them. You're going to see inside how this all happened uh, from from the ground uh, uh, level for about two years. Um, it's a great honor for the film to be shown in um, in, in Bergen, um, and I would be really uh, honored if you would go and see it. So uh, my first question to you is, um, how did you end up in Donetsk? I'd wanted to make a film about the Maidan protest in uh, in Ukraine, but um, uh, I was uh, actually working for uh, the Russian Olympics at the time, and so I uh, wasn't able to get down there. And as, and as I speak Russian, uh, I thought it would be a crying shame to basically miss out on not only one revolution, but two. So um, I managed to sort of get into Donetsk basically just a day or two after the, they uh, captured the building and managed to ingratiate myself uh, into the rebels as uh, saying I was going to be their, their chronicler, like in Game of Thrones. And um, they completely bought it and uh, uh, basically just uh, followed them for about four months and, and then went back a, uh, a year later to see how it all uh, panned out. What is it that is exciting about Russia these days? I think it's the same thing that's always been exciting about it. Like, it's such a... In a it's such a kind of simultaneous basket case. There's so much wrong with it, but also there's, they managed to still do a lot of things right. The people are just really, really interesting. Like, there's a kind of honesty and openness to them that makes them uh, always uh, good fun to hang out with. So, uh, life seems to occur on a more kind of hyper level than it does, um, I'd say, in the West, where everything is much more safe. The, it's like there's, there's less security, and consequently people... That informs people's whole attitude to life and uh, everything like that. Plus other, you know, practical things. If you want to have a party in England, you have to plan it way in advance. You know, like, hey, what are you doing in like three weeks' time? Whereas in Russia, you just phone up like two hours before, hey, you want to meet tonight? Sure thing, let's do it. So lo- lots of little things like that just make it in a kind of uh, much more interesting place in some respects. How does that translate into your experience in Donetsk? I, I, I guess the fact that you can just turn up at a revolution and sort of just sort of end up bullshitting your way to following them them around sort of is all part of that same uh, freewheeling uh, nature to people. You know that kind of like uh, openness that if you are managed to get in on their on the right side of them, they kind of can be quite open. That that at least at least two levels to um, the analysis. Um, and I'm uh, the one on the sort of the uh, state building 
formalistic approach to how does one have supremacy over a piece of territory and call yourself a sovereign nation. Uh, But there is also the uh, level of the sheer people level of it. Um, and as I wrote to you, I spent time in Transnistria, uh, and I don't speak Russian, but I, did. I also had the experience that you, you're describing of people being very open and friendly, but there also being a certain tangible dangerousness over the whole situation, sort of a, a lawlessness, and uh, uh, in the sense. You strongly had the feeling that if you disappeared in Transnistria, nobody would find your your body, uh, uh, even if they wanted to, in a sense. Yeah, there are some moments like that uh, in in Jeanette's People's Republic, for sure. Very scary moments. Well, one was when I was kind of semi-kidnapped, and the other was when uh, I was following Lenin, who's one of the... Uh, he's a street fighter character that you see in the film, and... Uh, he was um, angry at the way the rebel government was going off course with uh, sort of the revolutionary aims and so wanted to uh, uh, do something about it and so basically make himself the leader, I think. Um, so anyway, I followed uh, Lenin up the stairs of this building where the, the rebel movement was kind of headquartered in and it was, it was a 12-story building and on each floor there was a sort of separate rebel uh, you know, group, you know, was garrisoned, or maybe there were two per floor, I and mean, it was completely chaotic and fractionalized. And it was this building was a madhouse. I mean, I still have nightmares about it. Uh, all kinds of stuff was going on there. People were being uh, tortured and killed. Um, and it was smoke filled, full of trash. And at half past night, uh, Lenin and his guys and me with a camera went up there to do a coup against the rebel leadership and uh, there was a lot of shouting and uh, everything seemed to be sort of going fine um, and uh, you know that he'd called uh, he'd sent Vladimir who was one of the leaders packing calling him a bullshitter and so on and uh, yeah Lenin had taken control <laughs> but control of what <laughs> because about 20 minutes later I heard like a bloody grenade go off in the hall, right, down at the bottom of the stairs. And I sort of poked my head out, as did everyone else. Smoke was rising up, and it was like the madhouse had woken up, and the lunatics were in the asylum. Because <laughs> it was just like, I guess most people had been kind of sleeping in the building, yeah? Because it was kind of quiet all the way at the top. And suddenly, like, the whole house said, <laughs> You know, and uh, these guys with their Kalashnikovs came up. I mean, it's completely lawless. I mean, I mean, this is an anarchy inside an anarchy, inside an anarchy, right? And these guys with Kalashnikovs came up, and they weren't guys; they were teenagers from this uh, group called A Plot. Um, and it was like one of the people that, that Lenin was doing the coup against helped me. Um, and hid me in this uh, room with uh, with Anna, my uh, uh, translator fixer. And uh, it was like, whoa, Lenin had just disappeared at this point. I just sort of melted into the crowd. But I had my camera with everybody's faces on. 
I mean, it's like seriously compromising material, right? Um, and, uh, well, I mean, sooner or later they found me and it was just, and the, this guy who, um, Dima sort of said, oh, I'll sort him out, don't worry. And, um, and, but, but hit me and, and, this, and, and a couple of the block guys with the Kalashnikovs were in the same room. And apparently they were really angry at somebody else who, whose story, not even concerned with the coup. But they were threatening to cut his head off and they had knives. And you know how the Russians, when they swear, they're, they're, they can be terrifying, yeah? And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to be witness to this guy's murder in a second. And then what happens to me? <laughs> and then it was just like... I was sort of like trying to sort of do some bargaining. Hey, 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 look, you know, I'm trying to make your, you know, this Game of Thrones story about how everything's going down. Please don't, this is such great material. Don't let me delete it. Oh, no, you're forcing me to delete this one? No, come on, please, please, it's a great shot. This one? Yes, yes. And it was, like, yeah, and it was just like, I was trying to battle to keep my footage, but really I was trying to battle to stay alive. <laughs> and in the end, I managed to keep just a couple of shots out of the window. And uh, then, um, then after somehow it kind of calmed down, about three o'clock in the morning, I said, can I go home? <laughs> and he said, yes, okay. And uh, I was escorted out of this madhouse and it took like, well, you have to go down the stairs and then you have to go through all the one set of barricades and then through the other. It took about three minutes to get out. And it was just like, just three minutes of going through this inceptions of anarchy and until... I was finally out of the barricades, and then suddenly, it was the end of the rebeldom. I mean, it was just completely normal life after that. The shops were working, the restaurants were working, even at, you know past midnight. Oh, it was terrifying. Uh, and then I didn't didn't leave the house for a day because I was terrified of, of coming back. But then we went back, and it was so weird going into that same room again in different circumstances, seeing these same people uh, who were like, you know, terrifying, and eventually filming them and uh, joking about it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. There were, there were a couple more times as well. As over the course of the sort of, you know, couple of months of filming, the, um, we sort of started getting trusted more and more and uh, drawn ever deeper into the workings of the rebel movement, which of course included Russia's shadowy influence and... Uh, um, we were given the, the chance to uh, interview Sarmat, who is uh, uh, basically a, a hitman and uh, bad badass, <laughs> so uh, and, and, and influential in the rebel movement. We were we knew that there was a pretty good chance that this guy would try to kidnap us if we went to interview him, uh, because uh, he had some um, brothers in jail and was looking for some kind of like bargaining leverage so for instance kidnap journalists so yeah we went over to see him and it was the you know the the usual rigmarole that you read about sometimes in the press you know hooded blindfolded and stuff like that we were taken into his his flat now there's a guy who's who, who, who's wearing a massive balaclava uh two two guys with balaclavas with massive kalashnikov sit down so we, <laughs> we sat down in this kitchen and um the guy sort of yet was explained to us, yeah, you understand that I need some bargaining leverage to get my sons out of nursing houses, just as I thought. <laughs> and he said, you understand what that means, don't you? And, uh, yeah. But, you know, like, we're trying to make a film. We think you're a great hero. Um, you know, we really want to understand where you're coming from. And um, the guy was like, yeah, why should I show my face and all this stuff? 
I couldn't quite understand if 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 we were be if we could leave or not. And then we sort of Anna and I both realized the sort of perilness the of, of our situation and um we sort of we sort of, again we sort of started to bargain from the position of asking for too much so that he would compromise somewhere in the middle which would at least be our freedom. So we were like saying hey you should be in the film it's going to be a great film blah blah blah. No no I can't be in the film but I think it's a good idea. Yeah good. Okay that means we can go right. <laughs> and then it were like got on to um uh talking about he was especially uh interested in um amphetamines uh, I, i'm actually not that interested in amphetamines and, and had never used them before but he'd managed to persuade me that he his homemade amphetamines was really good and kept his troop real perked up so he said you must try some and so we did um and sort of bonded over the amphetamines <laughs> he was cooking up <laughs> uh, uh, Oh, well, it, it get, I mean, it, it gets it gets much weirder, but I can't. There's limits as to what I can say publicly without potentially getting into trouble with other people. <laughs> That's um, interesting, to say the least. Um, under what circumstances would you go back to Donetsk? Well, they're going to see this film actually. Um, I think tonight or tomorrow. So I'm kind of really intrigued as to. I don't think, you know, as to the reaction, I don't think uh, Denis Pushilin will be particularly happy to see me again. Uh, <laughs> because it's lots of characters sort of lay into him. Um, and I, I guess my commentary is a bit harsh. So, I mean, I'll, I'll go back if people are kind of like, can guarantee my safety. I was surprised they let me back the first time, but, you know. There's a sort of a, a cross-section between um, possibilities and realities uh, that I think your film explores. And I wanted to ask you, what is this film about in that sense? You know, the, uh, on one sense, you can, you can see this film as um, the manipulation of the people inside Donetsk uh, into fighting some part in a larger geopolitical struggle you can see the you know that they might from certain points of view be betrayed in that you can also see it as the as a sort of a demonstration of how wars work these days that you really would need to sort of accompany the film with a scientific analysis you know about social network activation and and so on and there's a limit to what a film can say, yeah? But you know what, There's uh, it was done with a lot of, um, I think, manipulation of people's dreams. And I, I tried to demonstrate that with, uh, you know, the, the, the miners and the posters. It, it's a kind of very naive, uh, you know, almost semi-hooligan movement, you know, but, you know, with their heart in the right place kind of thing, you know, where are the miners? Come on, miners, let's get rid of these shitty oligarchs. And there they are, in, you know some like uh, mine that's straight out of the 19th century. Then you see this Boris character, yeah, he's kind of manipulating the election, but he's doing it for the right reason. The rules justify the means, and then later on you see that Boris's methods have been used against him because the oligarchs are, are um, they've appropriated their sy- the symbols of the miners and used it to turn it into some kind of uh, keech straight out of Animal Farm. And there you see it in, in reality. It's a predictable parable, perhaps a bit more nuanced than sort of most most sort of narratives of civil war, but it's something something that Orwell 
had heard written about a long time ago and we keep on seeing in reality. What do you see as the, the, the future for the people of Donetsk? I think it's particularly great, eh? I mean, it's probably like some version of Transnistria. Uh, probably, I mean, everything, you know, life will carry on. They'll build all this into some kind of grand narrative myth. Uh, and I think that a lot will depend on uh, on how aggressive Ukraine wants to be in getting back to the Nets and so on. Uh, but I, don't, I think if they were to try to win it back, it would be a pointless task because... Um, there's been so much sort of uh, ethnic cleansing there now that uh, the people of Donetsk would be well against uh, against Ukraine coming back into their lives. So maybe, maybe, maybe the best thing to do would be to sort of um, recognize the borders as they are and just sort of put it down to experience, I think. <laughs> Here's a tricky one for you. We have 170 titles at the festival. Why should people pick your film? I can tell you that this film isn't going to be the best film you'll see. It won't be the most um, dramatic or heartbreaking or moving film. But if you want to understand, uh, you, you know, how modern politics works with regards to war, you must see this film because it's the, this is a conflict that's told in the age of Donald Trump or Brexit, where you can just make up facts and people will follow you. And this is the consequences of that in a war. Uh, and you see it in absolute crystal clear detail from the ground level. Ja, det var Anthony Brett som snakket om sin film DIY Country anbefales på det sterkeste. Fin fyr. Mm. Mm. Veldig intellektuell og ja, på en bra måte. <laughs> Så i morgen er det mandag. Yep. Och vad kan vi se fram till? På måndag så eller det vill säga man stockar lyssnar på den podden nu söndag kväll. Ja. Så är er jag och gör ett intervju med Checkpoints juryen. Vi har tänkt att uh, snacka lite med dig för att höra hur de tänker uh, juryarbete, hur de jobbar. Uh, det är er ju ett treklövar som uh, ganska intressanta folk, men ni får komma till imorgon, eh uh, förhoppningsvis. Och uh, i morgon ska vi också snacka lite om filmen Bugs som handlar väl om kanske framtidens mat. Och det är er, alltså bara titeln är er ju nog till att få det till att gå liksom kallt ner ryggen på på många. Men jo då, det är er ju många som anser insekter som en av de mest effektiva måten att få i sig näring bärkraftig. Bärkraftig, effektivt, näringsrikt. Crunchy. <laughs> Okej, okay, men då hörs vi igen i morgon här på Biffpodden. Hade. Hade.